What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do we have another special show for you today with my guy, David Morin. And David is a world-recognized coach, trainer, and fitness influencer. He is on a mission to optimize genetic expression, physiology, psychology, and look like a fucking stud while doing it. Before we get into today's show, I want to shout out our sponsor. I am so grateful to partner with Kai's energy bars. Kai's are these all natural, only four to six ingredients in each bar. And they're amazing. Whether it's post-workout or you just need a midday pick-me-up, these bars have kept me going the last few months. And the reason that I love this company so much is because I connected with their founder, Jeff. And Jeff is so committed to making an impact in the community that every box of bars they sell, he donates some to kids in Haiti. He's literally making a generational change for the youth overseas. And that is really why I felt this duty and alignment to partner with Kai. So I'm so grateful for them. And they have been generous enough to give this community 15% off their orders. So go to kaisconcepts.com and then put coach Jeremy 305 at checkout so you can get some of these guys. I'm not joking. I don't take or put anything in my body that has any artificial flavors, ingredients. So get on these now, save 15% off coach Jeremy 305 at checkout. Peace. <laughs> Did I kill that intro? Yes, yes, yeah. Especially the last part, the stud part. Yes. Dude. Yeah. 45. And I mean, it's unreal. Like, you are probably the dude (laughs) in person that I've met that is the most jacked, that has like the most insane body. What? That I've ever seen in person, 100%, bro. Yeah, man. You know how it is, man. When you get old, you turn to stone. (laughs) You're, You're really... And I mean, 45 still young as fuck, but people start to think like with these numbers, like, oh, I'm breaking down. Sure. I can't do what I used to. So has this evolution and has this, what I'm looking at right now, always been a beast? Like, have you always been jacked or how, how did that journey get started for you? What was the mm. trigger? You know, I, my father was uh, military. He was a pilot. I was born in Germany. And oh, my wow. mother, mother was English. So I, I spent a lot of time growing up doing soccer and stuff and running around a lot. So it was mostly endurance sports. But there was the beast in there because my dad was like hardcore military. You know, he did 40 years. He did 20 wow. years active duties in Vietnam. He did 20 years Department of Defense. So, I mean, he would come home. I, I was like, I remember I was like six or seven years old and my dad would come home and he would just step on me. He would like put his foot on my chest and go, I'm going to step on you, boy. You know, and it was like, oh, man. Like, and then, you know, he was, uh, I was raised Catholic. So, you know, there's a hardcore discipline factor there. Mm. So the structure, the military, the Catholicism, that built the foundation for like, does he have, he has the gift, but does he have the discipline? Mm. We all have the gift, but do you have the discipline, you know, to cultivate that gift? You know, because we all have the gift. What is the gift? 
life. Nobody's more special or any less special than anybody else. It's your ability to apply, you know, your unique talents and attributes, your energy to this kind of disciplinary path and cultivate that into making you you. So what you see here is just a product of, of man, really loving parents, good coaches, loving people, positive people, always focusing on the bright side, the silver lining, never giving up, giving people the benefit of the doubt, sometimes getting played, sometimes getting you know abused and used, sometimes getting mad at myself for being allowed to be treated that way. Mm. But in the end, knowing how valuable it is to keep being that light. And in the end, in the darkest times, that light was always there for me. Mm. So that's my life, man. Yeah. That's my life. Dude, I love that. That's powerful. What would you say your greatest gift is? Oh, man. Well, my greatest gift to give the world, um, I, you know, we're all unique. My, I guess my story would be the gift I would give the world because it's unique in and of itself, like my fingerprint. Um, there's a tremendous amount of, as a man... Um, I was married. I have two sets of kids from two different women. I really tried to give that a go. I really was all in on the marriage. I, I played house for real. Um, 21 years old, six-figure job, working 60 hours a week, hustling, you know, home, kids were in private school, paid all my ex's bills, like tried to be the man of the house, you know. And uh, there's this phrase I love when it comes to that part of my life is uh, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. There's a, a feeling of kind of like being expected to be taken um, advantage of or to be taken for granted. And it's uh, a man's job to kind of pull your pants up and put your boots on and, and live that life that every day of just, it's my honor. It's my duty. It is all those things. But at the end of the day, you're human too. So, you know, my gift would be, you know, kind of learning to transcend, you know, those kind of stereotypes and characterizations and the conventional kind of, you know, living a man's life and just understanding, man, like I've got daughters, I've got sons, you know, I want to be, first of all, I want to be strong, but I also want to be sensitive. I want to be aware, you know, I don't want to be the guy who's, you know, got the blinders on and just going for broke every day. I want to be able to, at times, relax, enjoy life, you mm -hmm. know, share. Because we're all, all on a mission. If we don't share that perspective, then how can we as a, as a community kind of like benefit from that, mm -hmm. benefit from your new, unique attributes? It's like kind of, like I look at it like a, a good metaphor is kind of like, you know, a crown, right? It has a lot of different jewels on it. It's got diamonds and rubies and emeralds and all that stuff. And each and every one of us are our own unique kind of gem. But, you know, once we're put all together, then we kind of create something that's a masterpiece in itself. And it takes mm -hmm. all those unique pieces brought together to create something that's unique. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the gift. Uh, I don't know, man. There's a lot more I need to do. Yeah, so we all, we're, it, it, it's a never-ending journey that we're on. That's the hero's journey. But I love, I love everything you said. And it seems like 
all of those experiences have manifested the David Moore and that's here right now, 45 years old with this whole new set of perspective, right? I'm wondering when you were, what was that six figure job, by the way, what were you doing? I was in the car business. So okay. I went to school for theology and psychology. I dropped out because my high school sweetheart got pregnant and then uh, I had to get a job real quick. So it was a very easy thing to kind of use psychology um, in sales. Most sales is all about psychology, aligning with the customer's wants and needs, presenting something of value till it, it exceeds price, and then you can get a sale. So, um, and I also thought like the way the car business was, was super shysty. So I was like, I was on a mission to go in there and like be more credible, like to um, give full disclosure. And in that, doing that, I separated myself from the pack. Mm. So just being transparent and being honest and going, look, if you want, if you want to buy something today, great. If you, I wouldn't encourage it, you know, make sure you have all the information to make the right decision. So that was kind of my thing. So car business was good to me because I think I had a good approach, a good healthy approach to it. But, uh, dude, I wouldn't advise it for anybody because it was a money thing for me. It was a stability thing. Most young women, I feel, or women in general, hardwired for security. They, they, they need security. Why? Why do they need security so much? Why do they ha are so insecure about if you're just like, I'm a poet and I'm a musician and can't you support me from being some wild, you know, all my fantasical, fantasical ideas or whatever it is. It's like, dude, they're going to bring people in the world. They bring people into the world. So they're going to need you to be a solid individual, like a rock. So the car business was my rock, man, for a while. Mm. And I'll never forget, dude. I'll tell you this quick story. I got my third job. So I went up the, you know, I did sales for four years and I went to F&I and, and finance and insurance is like the guy in the box in the back of the dealership, the last guy who can kind of bust you upside the head and screw everything up, you know? That was the, you. That was me. So uh, <laughs> I, I went through all that and was kind of trying to be as nice as I could. Then I got a sales desk job, which is like a sales manager job. And I remember... I was working at the oldest Chevy dealer in the country in Virginia. It's a uh, Hutchins Chevrolet, uh, established in 1929. They used to sell bikes, Chevy bikes back in the day. But uh, wow. six, there, there was a salesman there named Henry Thorne. And, you know, there's certain people along your journey that give you gifts, you know, that make a huge impression on you. Um, sometimes it's, it's their end. It's their death that really makes the mark on you, not so much their life. And that was unfortunately the case for me with Henry. Um, Henry was an older man who worked under me. I was the young hotshot sales manager who thought I knew everything, but I had uh, my heart in the right place. And I remember me and Henry sold six cars in one day, dude. We were on fire, dude. We were like every, he was just in the zone, you know? There were some salesmen, you're just like, dude, you're fucking in the zone. Like, yeah. you know, it was just one after the other. And at the end of that day, I remember I saw, we, we finished, we closed late. We were the last two people there. And I remember I saw Henry. Henry had two sons, wife, um, just a country boy, you know? And uh, I said, Henry, man, what a day, man. What a great day. You, you know, you killed it. Six cars in one day. And I was like, how does that feel? And I remember he was walking out of the door and it was kind of like a a panoramic view with the kind of blue sky in the background. It's like a glass door. You could see his silhouette. And he turned around and looked at me. And he goes, you know, Dave, every day above ground is a good day, brother. And when he said that to me, I got this flash of like energy around him. And I was like, whoa, what was that? You know, come to find out, dude, that Monday he was back uh, in the back lot, getting a car ready for delivery 
uh, Suburban, you know, Chevy Suburban. And he crashed into a fence in the back. And uh, he was okay, but they ran some scans on him. He said he blacked out. They did some scans on him, dude. They found he had a humongous brain tumor, bro. And uh, he ended up dying six months later, like real fast. And there was one night, dude, I remember uh, I was at the sales desk. He knew my hours, you know. He knew I'd be there late. So we'd work from nine to nine, dude. I mean, this is a grind. You got no life. You eat shit, smell cars. That's what you do. You know, cars own you, you know? <laughs> if it's that new car smell, I guess it's not too bad. <laughs> right. No, there's some used cars out there. Man, they got some funky butts in them. But uh, I remember, man, Henry went to Aerosmith, you know? It was like his favorite band. And so happened that Aerosmith was in town. He got front row tickets and backstage and the whole nine, you know? And he called me. It was like 8.30 while Dream On was playing. And uh, he's screaming through the phone at me. You know, you hear that? You hear that, David? Because he knew he was going to die, dude. It's really heavy. And uh, he's screaming through the phone telling me, man, dream on, David. Dream on. You hear that? Dream until your dreams come true. Wow. Two weeks later, dude, he passed away. And I remember seeing uh, his wife with the kids after Hurricane waiting for ice and stuff. Life goes on, man. You know, but the memory of those people that leave that impact, they give you gifts, dude. It's up to you to pay it forward. That's powerful, potent stuff, dude. Yeah. It's powerful. How, so you were like in your early 20s? I was 22, 23 wow. years old, I think, yeah. And that, that seems to have resonated with you in a really powerful Huge. way and helped transform your mindset. Huge. Yeah. I was going through a divorce shortly afterwards. I went through a divorce. And uh, it seemed like the right timing. It seemed like the right thing to hear and to resonate with. Dream on, dream on. Mm. And that's when I... I, I went and was going through a Barnes & Noble looking for some self-help books, and I looked on the cover of this uh, Barnes & Noble uh, aisle, and it was like this men's health dude, you know, pulling up his shirt like with abs just going. And I was like, that's the guy, bro. That's the guy. Look at him. He, he's not driving a Ferrari. He's not super wealthy dude, but he's like he's mastered the temple. He's mastered the first position. First right. position is here. Master that first. So I was like, okay, that's when my journey started, man. This is uh, 2001. That's when I first started working out. Never, really? Never worked out. Martial arts and skateboarding were my passions yeah. in life. So, so you were staying fit just based on like your sports and yeah. your passions. Okay. Yep. And then 01 was where you're like, the, the whole vision kind of came to birth and you're like, okay, that's what I want to achieve. That's what I want to chase. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. one, you were. It's like 27, 28 years old, man. Wow, that's so dope. So, so, I think this is great because a lot of people listening and watching, they oftentimes have this self limiting belief that they're too old to start something new, that, that it's too daunting for them. Mm. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, so, for you, like, what were those first couple of steps you took when you realized you wanted to make that transformation? Mm. Well, uh, there was a, a tremendous amount of energy. Uh, and you know what? I found this uniquely throughout the, the, uh, the group of people that say they suffer from depression, uh, and especially those who have suicidal thoughts. You know, I was uh, in a dark place. You know, my two sons, the, the loves of my life, the only reason why I did this bullshit job 
of listening to people like look at me like I'm trying to sell them shit, you know, like a grimy car salesman job, you know, yeah. even though I didn't conduct myself that way, that was still the stigma. Mm. But m my sons were the reason I came home every day, the reason why I did it. And dude, postpartum depression or something with my ex-wife, I don't know what caused it, but she wasn't into me anymore, bro. She was into some dude who was working out in the gym. Mm. And uh, while I was paying for everything and taking care of everything, man. So <clears throat> I felt this heavy weight accumulating, you know, this kind of sixth sense of like, what's going on? Like energy being sucked out of the relationship, you know? And so once that was all established, like, yeah, she was in love with someone else and the marriage needed to end. And then I sold the house and I was homeless. I was looking for a job. I paid off all the debts trying to get her back. Didn't work. Not, you know. So I was sleeping in a car for two weeks and then going to the gym in the morning and then going to another job. You know, I changed jobs because I couldn't go back to my job, you know. I didn't want to be in a box, you know, there every day, like, you know, knowing that my kids weren't home when I went home. So it was a tough time, dude. There was a lot of heavy, hard decisions that were made. You know, should I... Should I buy furniture for my apartment or should I buy Christmas gifts for my sons? Hmm. Can we unwrap Christmas gifts on the floor or should we have nothing, not much like stocking stuffers on a couch with a TV? Hmm. What's your choice? So um, there was a series of kind of like cutting off appendages, a death, you know, a hardcore death. They say till death you part. Um, no, I literally felt, and when people say I have suicidal thoughts, it's not that you want to take your life. It's that there's a part of you that actually lived connected to someone else that's dying. So you're feeling, you're identifying with that. Who is that person? It's the person that you did all those things every day. The pattern you had with this other person, the thinking about them, the going to the grocery stores for them, the, the errands you run, the thoughtfulness, the consideration, every ounce of what you put into making that relationship is dying. So you feel like you're dying. Mm -hmm. And that's the confusing thing. People need to make that distinguishing like observation is that it's not your life that you want to take. It's this dead thing that's hanging on to you. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I took that dead, miserable victim you know, how could she do this to me? Why would you want our family to end? I just took that guy and I fucking got angry, man. I got so fucking angry, dude. It was the worst and best thing ever because it was hell unleashed on my physiology. It was soreness and pain and joints hurting and aching and just, and sorrow and tears and all that. Just the grind of it, dude, breaking down, like, like doing you know, like doing rows, like a set of rows with a hundred pound dumbbells, like just putting your head down, just doing rows with one dumbbell and you can't do it anymore. And then just breaking down in the gym, people looking at you like, what the fuck's wrong with this dude? He's like, yeah. like you're just crying, just crying. Yeah. Break down. Yeah. And people look at you like you're a weirdo. And I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck about you, man. You know, I'm in hell right now. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't identify with me. Mm. You know, how old were you when you had your first pair of kids? So uh, my son, Jeremiah, who's 22, he's in the Navy now. He's an aviation technician. Uh, he was born uh, 
Technically, he was born uh, 1996, December 26. My ex-wife had a Christmas, big fat Christmas dinner, dude, and her water busted. And uh, wow. we went to the hospital on Christmas night. So he's Jesus, bro. That's so, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. He's a, he's a good kid, man. I actually delivered Jeremiah. Uh. So uh, I talked to the doctor, and this is before insurance liability was so crazy. And I talked to him. I was like, Doc, I 100%. Um, respect for your skills and your schooling and everything. But is it okay if I'm the first hands to touch him? And he was like, not at all, man. I totally understand. He's like, we'll scrub you up and get you in there. Hell yeah. Yeah, so it was wild, bro. Pulling out a baby is wild, dude. That's a mind blower. Because I was super religious. Like, I don't know what we are. You know, like, we're, we're aliens, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know what we are. And then you see, like, the physiology, like the nuts right. and bolts of how we come into the world, and you're like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're complicated, but we're definitely much more primate than I thought. Yeah, you know, Much more animal than I thought. Talk yeah. about that a little bit because I, as you probably know, like I love animal flow. I love body weight movement. I just want to encourage people to get out there and, yeah. and use these free drugs that we have access to, like yeah. water, oxygen, yeah. nature, sunshine, movement, yeah. right? Yeah. Take full advantage of these free drugs and understand like we survived for hundreds of thousands of years with just these things. Like there was no weights, there's no barbells, there's no kettlebells. Right. Like go out there, be a primate, be a fucking animal. Mm. You know what I mean? Talk about that and the importance of connecting to ourselves and to our earth. Yeah, it's very much underrated, isn't it? Yeah, there's so much familiarity with nature and discovering who you are when you interact with it, but it's just so, like, taken for granted. Mm. It's like life. It's like anything. It's like, meh, my parents, meh, you know, meh. <laughs> it's true, man. It's just, how can you, why do we get glossy-eyed over the things that mean the most, and then when we're about to lose them, we're like, ooh, we freak mm. out. What is it about us? Like, how did they bait, how did corporations or whatever it is that's manipulating our reward center, like social media, whatever, distractions. It's like sleight of hand shit, man. Mm. It's sleight of hand, you know? And a lot of times I feel like, um, I, mean, I think about this a lot, Jeremy. Um, like, write, writing, right? Like, write and W-R-I-T-E and then write, R-I-T-E and then R-I-G-H-T. So in terms of like, correct, right? And then in terms of rites of passage, or it's your right, meaning like it's your liberty, it's your sovereignty, it's, it's, it's a birthright. Mm. So all those unique kind of distinctions, how they manipulated that, right? Yeah. It's like, if you write it down, I do solemnly decree that it is my right to own this land, and it is written by my right, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's like, well, wait, you don't have the right to do that. And yeah. first of all, that doesn't make you right. Yeah. Because you think you write it down. Yeah. So there's also like the original right, I feel, is like your R-I-T-E, your rites of passage like, mm. and, and ritual. Because I think ritual is oral tradition. Like you have this huge like conflict with indigenous culture. This is a huge kind of segment, but segue. But indigenous culture and like historical context, like histor- history writing itself, which is really just the memoirs of the ego, writing itself, right? Mm -hmm. Because every time we win, we're like, yeah, we're the shit. We wrote it down. We own it. It's ours. Rome. Uh, Hail Rome. Hail Caesar. So, but then you have all of these 
like the definition of what civilization is, is you have to have a written language. You have right. to, you have to have archeological proof. There has to be some type of tangible intelligence. Right. Well, what about what's written in our cells, brah? You yeah. know, like the, the intelligence is already there. It's self-evident. Mm. We don't need you to rewrite what's right, you know? And that's the whole thing with life right now in Western civilization and just respect the indigenous culture and then the awakening of what's really right and true mm. is this, uh, yeah, discovering who we are right now, yeah. you know? So we are the source. We have everything we need inside of us. We have all the answers. We just need to unlock them and have that belief. Yeah. So, so what was... What was the thing or the thought process, the mindset you had when you were going through overcoming, you know, this divorce, your family being broken up at such an early age and you turned to fitness as kind of like a medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like therapy. Right. So I'm just wondering what was, how were you, how were you able to overcome that? Cause obviously you talk about those painful moments and mm -hmm. memories, mm -hmm. right? And how were you able to kind of flip the script and take ownership of your life and like take accountability for everything that happened mm. rather than playing victim? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a long story because, uh, I medicated myself in the pain of punishment. Uh, the, I'm not good enough. I was rejected. I did everything right. Why me? Over and over again. Dude, sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Like, why couldn't I just get myself out of that and go, you loved the best you could, you know? If you've done everything that you could and you've satisfied that honestly and truly. And the love, I learned an important lesson about love too. Um, we, we tend to ascribe love to tangible things and attach this thing to something mm. and make it important to, I promised you, this is, how could you let me down? Mm. How could you end our love? Like you're, you're putting it on someone. For me, love is about making that commitment to yourself. You, people say, uh, I've got friends, you know, and they're, they get in relationships and they're, you look at it from the egoic side. You're like, oh, dude, you're being taken advantage of, bro. You're being, the girl's rocking all over you, right? But then when you talk to the guy, you're like, dude, I'm just being true to my feelings. I'm being true to me. There may come a day when that runs out. There may come a day when the spell wears off and I do see what's going on. But until such time, I can't be satisfied with myself because I have these feelings for this person. You know, and you got to be true to that and follow through with that. Because if you don't, you're never going to discover what love is trying to teach you. It's not always trying to teach you how good life can be. That's the other aspect of it. But it's also trying to teach you the tough love. You know, I'll accept you and I'll love you under all conditions. That's unconditional love. Unconditional love is such a powerful teacher, dude. Powerful teacher. And if you can't love someone else unconditionally, you'll never learn the value of love. It's like the mm -hmm. prodigal son. You got to test it. When you know, you're not going to give it away so easy. When you know, mm -hmm. then you know the value of love. Then you can apply that to your own life, your own pursuits. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a powerful, potent thing, man. Tough so, love. So the relationship you're in now yeah. with Sunni, right? Yeah. Did I say it right? Yeah, Sunni. 
You're I the mean, first person. Everyone calls her Sunny. Really? You're the first person who's Sunny, actually, yeah, Sunny. yeah, Sunny. Um, talk about that and maybe how it's different and kind of, again, the transformation in, in relationships. Because I think what you said is very true in terms of we oftentimes look for someone to complete us and we have this yeah. attachment rather than understanding like, I am whole and complete, you're whole and complete, and now let's see how we can add to each other, let's see how we can grow together. Um, and it sound, sounds like letting go of attachment mm. is a big part of that process. Mm. So I'm just curious, how is that manifested into your current relationship now? Well, you know, it's exactly what you said. You know, you, you, I grew up with sisters. I'm used to getting the attention, you know. Um, I learned really quickly to kind of like not let that go to my head. Mm. Be, be careful with that. Be careful with that, you know, um, because in a relationship, you have to provide security, you know. With me, I've got two daughters too. It's very important once I had my daughters that I understood the dynamic from a little girl's perspective and a woman's perspective to where you have to be solid. You got to be solid from top to bottom. You can't be the guy that you'd be afraid to introduce your daughter to, you know, because you're always going to be looking around. If you're always chasing skirts and trying to be the playboy, you know, that's like you said, that's just a drug with a short-term fix. But what it really is is projecting your own chaos onto other relationships because you don't have everything solid inside. And so, you know, I like this phrase with my relationship with SUNY. We have this kind of, it's an unspoken kind of agreement. When we got together, we spoke it, and now we just know. We can create everything from peace. If there's no peace, there's no nothing. So first and foremost, it's about peace. Because we can make money from peace. We can you know, have a business. We can create happiness from peace. You can cook food when you have peace. You can get creative. You can do anything you want with peace. Mm. But without peace, none of those things are possible. Mm. Love is not possible without peace. That so, inner peace. Yeah. Oh, yeah it feels yeah. so good when you, when you get there. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting there, but I feel like it's also something that comes and goes. Like mm. it ebbs and flows, right? But, um, but I love that. I love that agreement you guys made and you're embodying it, mm. which is special. So is that, is that something that's been unique? Like, is that, is that maybe, is that the first time you've kind of spoken that agreement into existence and kind of embodied what you want that relationship to look like? Yeah, I think it's a powerful, um, it's a powerful position you know, the starting point, mm. like the chess game has been played so many times that now we're back to everything. All the pieces are back in the same place. You know, all the spaces are occupied on the board on each side. Mm. You got to put everything back into that one space. When they say choose your battles, right? Peace is what I choose. Mm. So if I choose peace, if there's jealousy, if there's insecurity, if there's conflict, whatever the conflict is, you can communicate it as long as it's the resolution is peace. Mm. That that's, has to be the end game. That's so great too, with your dad being a military guy, you know, and like growing up in that mind frame and you having like, yo, I just like peace, peace is the answer. So I think that's yeah. an interesting contrast. Yeah. It's also, I wonder how much of that 
has kind of triggered those thoughts, maybe subconsciously, but I mm. think it's a really cool um, transition. And I love that you are creating the relationship in your life of abundance stemming from peace. Mm. Now, you have a very interesting story, this compilation of adversity and different things that have gone on that I think a lot of people might not know about just like looking at you or following you. I think it's so dope, bro, like that we're getting together and sharing this. I want to know because we have this flow to basically to aid our breathing, to aid our immune system. Talk a little bit about how this came about, your near-death experience, what mm. it showed you. And it seems like now you are really pushing this. You're on a mission to heal people and transform people. So tell us a little bit about this near-death experience sure, you had. Sure. Well, not so much to heal people, um, you and I both know people heal themselves. Right. But um, the, to give you a backstory on that, I created that product after in 2015 on October 4th, uh, I was induced into a coma because I had a pulmonary embolism. So uh, before all that happened, um, I had no idea that inside my heart I had what's called an atrial myxoma which is a vegetative tumor that grew on the wall of my atrium. It could have been there since the day I was born. But they no, I never went in for a scan. I've never had any heart problems in the past. But an accumulation of stress, an accumulation of the grind, bro, you know, getting after it and, like, a lot of caffeine, lack of sleep. I was on a huge, like, uh, demanding production. I had a product called Lynx Fitness. It's a friction board that you can do kind of like – a lot of cool stuff with it. it was developed by triathletes. So mm -hmm. I was like building all the content for that on YouTube. I was representing a supplement company and going to Brazil. Like, dude, I was traveling out of the country once to twice every month for two or three years. Mm -hmm. I just wrapped this uh, production called The Perfect Physique, which was about um, a bunch of fitness guys and a bunch of physique competitors. It was on Netflix. I had so much going on. So I was like, you know, strike the hammer while the iron's hot, right? Go mm -hmm. for it. And I never knew, you never know your limit until you reach it. And uh, that day on October 4th, I went for a run that morning. I came back, I felt like, so, you know, typical congestion, kind of like cold coming in, chest cold, coughing up a little phlegm, took a shower, wasn't feeling good, started sweating a lot. Like, oh man, this is, this is bad. It's like the flu or something, you know? And it just got worse and worse, bro. And then after about two hours, I was struggling so hard to breathe. Like it felt like I was drowning in sitting in my living room. Like I was drowning in water. Um, I had to breathe so fast. My heart was, was beating so fast to circulate the oxygen through my body. And my girlfriend at the time, uh, Kat, she had a good friend, a mutual friend, this guy named Mike. Shout out to Mike Animal on IG. Uh, Mike's some, he's a big dude, you know, comes over, takes a look at me and he's like, dude, we're, I was actually on my way to the gym, actually like an idiot. Um, so, but he's like, dude, we got to take you to ER. So we went to this urgent care, like down the street, man, immediately, dude, they put me on the bed. They started giving me oxygen. They were like, you're having a pulmonary embolism, which is basically for those who don't know, it's a blood clot that passes from the heart or through the body into the lungs and it obstructs 
um, your respiration. So I went into respiratory arrest. I was intubated, which was induced into a coma where they strap a, they shove, it's very, it's very, it's the worst feeling in the world. Imagine like you're swimming, right? And you're underwater and you feel like you're drowning. You know, the moment where you feel like you're drowning, imagine someone holding your head down and shoving a tube down your throat. That's how it feels. You're gasping for air and someone is shoving something down your throat. Mm. It's the most helpless feeling ever. You're, you're literally, I'm going to die. That's what you're, you're there. It's death. So they strapped this thing to me and uh, five days, dude, gone, out, black, dark, five days. I woke up on my birthday. October 9th is my birthday. At 3 a.m. on October 9th, I actually extubated myself. I ripped the fucking tube out. I pulled off all the veins. The would have lived, dude. I was sent back. We'll send him back. So probably because wow. my daughters, I don't know the reason. Probably because my daughters need their father, dude. No, no delusions of grandeur. No, no, oh, I've got a mission to convert, you know, whatever into the gospel of fitness. Maybe, maybe that's true. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. My daughters need me. So I woke up, man. Uh, I pulled all that stuff out, which is crazy. Was that on your 40th birthday? Yeah, it was like 41st birthday. Yeah, something like that. It's 2014, right? Yeah, 2015. 2015, yeah, okay. Yep. So what was cool too is like, so two years prior, I did my first ayahuasca. That mm. is, we'll get into that too, but this is from the shaman and I didn't realize any of this. I didn't realize what ayahuasca shared with me and how you are an infinite being not confined to time and space because I had the experience of going through that embolism and I got this heart carved by a shaman and this is the ayahuasca vine. It was given to me and during the experience of this ayahuasca, I was being choked in this experience two years prior to this embolism. So I wake up, bro. I used to have this, there's so much cool about this, dude. There's so much cool. I brought something back. I don't know what it is, but I brought it back from the other side. So I saw myself before I woke up, I saw myself above myself. In my mind, only moments had passed, not five days. I saw myself above myself. I saw people in the room. I jumped back in my body and that's when I, you know, yanked everything out and everything. And, uh, I actually, there were witnesses in the room and I corroborated, you know, my vision outside of my body, my out of body astral experience by asking them was so-and-so in the room. They're like, yeah. And this other person. Yeah. And they all said, how did you know? And I was like, I telling you, I could see you in the room. Yeah. You, I, I saw myself above myself. I saw Myself is disembodied consciousness. Mm. Weird, bro. So then I yanked this thing out. My girlfriend at the time, bro, we, uh, I had my phone plugged up and I had tons of, you know, messages like, are you all right? Because five days had passed. People had heard sending me messages, family members, all that kind of stuff. Well, my phone turned on by itself. My sister was in the room to witness this and my ex-girlfriend. The phone turns on by itself and uh, it starts going crazy, right? It starts op like unlocking, right? And because uh, I had the fingerprint security at the time. This is like 2015. No retinal scans. <laughs> so uh, turns on, opens up, goes to, through pictures like a super hacker, bro. 
like faster than you could imagine someone opening up programs and opening up photos and zooming in on photos way faster. Like someone's hacking my phone. So I was like, just turn it off. This is maybe an hour after I woke up, two hours after I woke up. It's like really early in the morning. So my girlfriend at the time turns the phone off. Dude, it turns on again. I'm like, what is going on with this phone, man? So it does the same thing. It starts opening up photos, zooming through everything. It opens up a photo of me that my girlfriend had taken of me, you know, in the coma with the, you know, the tube and all that stuff. It zooms in, zooms out, zooms in, zooms out, zooms in, zooms out. And I'm like, what is going on with this phone? So I told her to unplug it from the wall, you know, and like hard reset it, you know? So she t- dude, it turns on again, bro. It does the exact same thing. I've got two witnesses to this. This is the most bizarre thing. It turns on again, it zooms in the picture. So this time we're like, let's watch it. Let's see it play out. So it zooms in, it zooms out, it goes through all these text messages starting to populate, you know, ding, 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 alerts, alerts. It goes into, my sister had sent a rosary from my uh, grandmother that had been broken and she had repaired it. And she said, ah, I got grandma's rosary prepared. Here's, Mm. and it, dude, it pulled a picture of Christ and zoomed in and was flashing like no other application I've ever seen, like flashing on the outside of this thing, zooming in. And I was like, whoa, what is this? Bro, right after that, the doctor, the cardiologist walks in and he goes, wow, you know, you, uh, you're you very lucky. We gave you 50-50 prognosis. You were septic. Your organs had failed. We were pumping your body full of so much sodium bicarbonate to keep your blood alkali- like alkaline because mm. you're because your organs were failing. And uh, <clears throat> so then the, the cardiologist goes, but you're not out of the woods yet. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, uh, well, we ran some tests on your heart. We found that there's a tumor inside your heart and we should probably do open heart surgery. Mind you, I'm thinking it's the luckiest day of my life. It's on my birthday. I just got out of this near death experience. I'm like, I don't want to hear this. Put me back to sleep. This is a bad dream. Like, I want to go home, you know? So the doctor says, uh, we'll show you the scans and show you the tumor and all that stuff. So the doc walks out, and I'm shaking my head, man. Like, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to do this? This is it. You know what open heart surgery does to a fitness model's career? (laughs) I mean, I guess it would be a cool story, right, if I overcome that and come back, but... My livelihood depended on me being fit and in shape, you know? I created this kind of thing, you know? And uh, so, dude, the phone turns on again. It dials this woman named Barbara. who actually was a mutual friend of someone I used to train. It dials Barbara. I tell her to tell my girlfriend, hang it up, hang it up. I'm thinking, why Barbara? So we had a mutual friend. I called a mutual friend who knew I was in the hospital, this guy. I said, hey did you by chance run into Barbara lately? He goes, I was just going to tell you that Barbara is dating a cardiologist. She just started dating a cardiologist two weeks ago. I'm like, no way. So I call Barbara and this guy, Dean Rollers, the cardiologist picks up the phone. He's like, I thought you might be calling me. Barbara told me what's going on. Send me the imagery and I'll tell you, I'll give you my opinion. So I sent him the imagery. He gives me an opinion. He goes, I don't think you need open heart surgery, man. I said, it's definitely there. There's a myxoma there. But as long as you're on anticoagulants and we just observe it, 
don't, you don't have to get a surgery now. I was like, thank God. Thank God, dude. So I dodged a bullet, man. So the, where the product comes in, Flow 2 comes in. When I was revived. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. All yeah. right. So hold on. I just need to wrap this story together. I'm on like the edge of my seat, even though there's no seat listening. <laughs> so, so this experience, you have this tumor on your heart. Yeah. Right. It's still there. And okay. So that's what I was going to ask. So they're just like managing it, v monitoring it very closely. Yeah. yeah. What I think is really interesting for the people listening and watching is obviously like you're the epitome of health, like looking at you. So is this something that you felt maybe before that run, before you were short of breath? Was mm -hmm. that something that happened before or was it like a one-time thing? You know, I, don't, I don't think any of us really question our ticker, bro, yeah. until it's put in question. Yeah, but I mean, for you especially though, like for me, it's funny because like two months ago or a month ago, I was like, dude, I feel really good right now. I'm young, I'm vibrant, I'm healthy. I want to actually have blood work done to match that and to show me that I'm actually as healthy as I feel. Mm. You know what I mean? And thank God everything matched up and was good. My markers were solid. But I think that perspective, like, I mean, look at you. Mm. Like, look at this. And it's like, how could this happen to me? Right. That's at least what like I would be thinking. That's what I'm cautious of mm. is because maybe those years of just, like you said, driving yourself into the ground with the travel, with the lifting, maybe yeah. not enough recovery work um, manifested this thing. Mm. This or maybe tumor. a broken heart. Yeah. You know, maybe being all in seven years in a marriage and, uh, you know, the person you built a whole life with says, that's it. You know, maybe it's a broken heart thing. Who knows? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how I, I, I'm very much aware of how psychological trauma can affect physiology. Mm. You know, I don't know to what extent though, you know, like maybe I should have gotten therapy instead of <laughs> crying in the gym, lifting hundred pound dumbbells and squatting 500 pounds. Like mm. maybe I should have done that. But for whatever the reason, you know, I made it through. I'm here today. Yeah, bro. So it's crazy, dude. Yeah, so talk a little bit about flow because I cut you off. Yeah, so the respiratory therapist, when I, was, when I came to the morning of my birthday, when I came to, my field of vision was probably the size of a baseball. You know, I would see kind of like this. Mm. You know, it was very hazy and like weird. It was very strange. Mm. Um. And I remember kind of being able to, being strong enough to kind of look up and see who's coming in and out, you know? Because there was some very, very cool, uh, shout out to the caregivers out there, man, because there were people really praying for me, man. There were, there were people doing things that weren't on their job description. And I think those are the real reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Mm. You know, they had to adhere to a protocol of care, a standard of care, but in the back of what's going on is like this emotional, spiritual, psychological, energy, energetic kind of thing, man. Those people were pulling for me. That's their superpower. Yeah, superpowers, man. They do. I believe it. And uh, so this man, he walks in, I could see his... his he shuffles his feet, you know, it's kind of a short man, I could tell by his 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 gait, 
in his little feet, you know, in his little feet, he had little Gucci loafers on. And I'm like, man, those are sharp shoes. So then I got curious, like, who is this man with the sharp shoes, you know, with these nice shoes? And uh, it was this little Haitian man, a little bald headed with glasses. And he was the guy who brought the oxygen in and gave me the nebulizer and ambuterol kind of open up, stimulate the pathways. And I, and the first treatment, it was like, my field of vision increased so much. It was like he turned, dialed up the light, you know, the dimmers. He just, and I was like, whoa, man, like this is, I'm coming back to life. And so I was curious about him and his story and like why he chose to get into this. You know, there was something like there I could, I don't know, call it intuition, call it what you want. But so he goes, my friend, he said, uh, my daughter, when she was very young, she have asthma. And I tell you, it, this it broke my heart to see my little girl. She run, and she she fall down. She not to keep up with the other girls. So I have to cure this girl. You know, I have to teach her to breathe right. And when I he said, "Dude, I cured my daughter from asthma," and then he said, "He said, my friend, I realized I had a gift." And so his whole life has been. And he said he would tell me he'd go. He go, you don't understand. Like, there's people in here that were like, I will give you millions of dollars. He's like, I here take the keys to my Bentley if you can just help me breathe. People with terminal lung cancer, people that are just on their dying deathbed of last breaths, and it just one more breath. I will give it all for one breath, dude. And it was like, dude, he's just hitting me with these waves of like testimonies and stories from these people that are just like, I, I wasted all my life. I want, I want to breathe. Wow. And I'm like, wow. So we bro. take over 25,000 of them a day, but most of them we take for granted. We're not thinking about, we're not conscious of. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Continue, continue. Yeah. So I got into sauna. I read the literature Dr. Rhonda Patrick posted about sauna use and how you can, you can increase cardio efficiency without having to do strenuous impact on you know, exercise. So I got in the sauna. I went into the hospital at 225 pounds. I came out about 170. Wow. Yeah, I had a huge weird transformation. The body turned orange like jaundice. I lost a lot of skin. It was weird, bro. There's a smell that you get too when you're like close to dying. You smell weird, bro. It's there's hormones and all kinds of weird stuff that happened to your body. It was like mm. a a snake shedding its skin type of thing, you know. I left something behind in there. Yeah. But uh so I started doing the sauna, I started breathing, started really focusing on that because I was always into like chi building and, and qigong and all that kind of stuff in yeah. martial arts. So I just a whole nother level, dude. I want to repair my heart. I just believe that I could do that. I believe that I could rebound, make myself stronger. And then so I kind of like learned to live with it. Like there's this thing in my heart. I could die anytime, but fuck it, dude. Today's a good day to go. You know, I'm going to go out like happy, like living my life. And then so I went to Thailand and dude, worst ever trip, got sick. I was training at Tiger Muay Thai with a bunch of like savages with like staph infection and like my dude, my biology was when not was geared. This? This, is, was this? This, this is 2017, like March. Bro, these stories are out of control. We need to fucking get you a full documentary. Maybe Santiago is the guy to wrap all of this together, dude. It's fucking wild. It was nuts, dude. So I'm out there and, uh, I start feeling like I'm getting sick again. Mm. 
And uh, I'm like, yeah, man, let me just listen to some Joe Rogan, dude. Right? First podcast I pull up with Joe Rogan to get my mind off of getting sick, you know, is uh, Brian Callen talking about how, did you hear about how many people have died this year from the flu? I'm like, oh, God, no. My brain's going, I'm 10,000 miles away from any doctor. You know, the standard of care, call it what you will. It's not the United States as far as treatment goes. Nobody knows me, my history, whatever. So I'm in this thing, training. It's like a barracks. You know, it's barracks, basically. It's a bunch of dudes, like four guys to a room. You're sleeping mm. on a cot. They're letting mosquitoes in and shit. I'm like, shut, 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 shut the door. You know, I'm freaking out. Freaking out. I literally freaked out so bad that I took Vicks Vapor Rub and put it over my entire body. My entire body. Wow. Like balls were on fire, everything. Oh Every Vicks Vapor Rub. I was like, no mosquitoes. <laughs> like, I'm going to breathe. Like, people are like, dude, this guy's crazy, right? So that morning, I was like, I need to find. I had all these Chinese herbs I'd researched to help with respiration and expectorants to kind of get the phlegm up. And like, so I started asking the guy, like, hey, do you got this? And no, 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 no. And he's, uh, he, he says, come here. He goes, uh, hands me this stuff. It's like got this little girl on it with a bunch of tie riding. It's green. It looks like Hulk's blood. He's like, dit one. You need dit one. You try dit one. Right? So he puts it in my hand. And he's like, whoa, dude, lit me up, right? Lit me yeah, up. Open me up. Right now. Let's do it. Let's what do, do I it. do? A couple Just a couple sprays. Yeah, a couple sprays. Yeah, get it going. Okay, yeah. now I rub my hands together. Yeah, rub your hands together. Close your eyes because it's very potent. The vapors will, will uh, make you cry, actually. And I just inhale big? Yeah, well, nice and slow to engage. Okay. So, yeah, you just put your hands together like this, which, incidentally, all Thai people do this. That's how they give thanks and gratitude. They're always doing that. So, slow engagement. Holy shit, bro. I need another one. Wow. Now, if you do 10 breaths of this, if you do 10 slow, deep breaths with this, you're literally on another planet. It opens up. A lot of people don't know, but like nitric oxide, right? That molecule that's a transporter that helps dilate your, uh, like the blood vessels and transport nutrients through the extremities into the muscle tissue, all that jazz. Helps your heart, helps everything. 30% increase in nitric oxide through nasal inhalation. So when you're breathing through your nose, it's more beneficial for you as an athlete. Keep talking, David. I'm so listening. I have, so I have in this, I have a few like winter, wintergreen menthol, eucalyptus camphor. Those are things to open the airways. Those are things you're probably familiar with smelling, like stuff like Bengay or like something you'd find at a pharmacy that kind of opens up your airways. Because the problem is, is it's not that people aren't aware of the benefits of breathing. It's that there are obstructions to your breathing, whether it be through nervous system stress and the environment. Or stuff you can put it on your neck too. It's actually a spot reducer for inflammation. It cools you down. Mm. But uh, my eyes are watering. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna make you like all mucous membranes are gonna fire no, up. This is powerful though. Holy yeah, on, shit. on the backside, there's there's um. We gotta, the, we gotta get the whole team. Yeah, dude, you're stuff. gonna love it. You're gonna be like, whoa, fired up, man. But on the backside of that is um, jasmine, which okay. is what the old man gave me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you just uh, just open your eyes and close your eyes real quick for a few times, just yeah, just blink a lot, it'll go away. Yeah, it's because your mucous membranes are on fire right now, mm. but um, which helps to clear out particulate matter, stuff that pollutants and pollen and things like that that obstruct the airways. It's kind of like crying feels good after. Sometimes you get a good cry, you feel better. You're right. Yeah, it does. It feels so, cleansing. 
So you got um, jasmine, and then you have uh, rosemary, and those things act on the CNS, man. They'll calm you down. They'll help you breathe better. Rosemary and jasmine. Rosemary and jasmine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, jasmine is the shit, dude. That's what the old man gave me. That's what the the main ingredient in the Hulk's blood from mm-hmm. Thailand was this jasmine oil, dude. And it jazzes you up big time. Dude, you're such a wealth of knowledge and like I want to I want to I want to continue we first of all, we're going to need to have another round with you, bro, cuz like these stories, I literally am like I'm like what's next, David? Keep going. I want to know, bro, like I mean, we got this, we got this, oh my goodness. Okay, what are, let's tr- let's try and keep this efficient, effective. What are three things that people can implement in their day-to-day, mm. starting tomorrow, starting right now, that are gonna help transform not only their external bodies, but their internal physiology, mm. right? And mm-hmm. the way they feel and the way, they show up on a day-to-day basis, their energy levels. What are three things? Three things for me, first thing in the morning, just start to move. Put on your favorite music, uh, you know, whatever it is. Something upbeat that gets your energy moving while you're brewing your coffee, while you're making your tea, whatever you're doing, just get up, dance, whatever you can do. If you're not into working out or physical training or CrossFit or whatever, just skipping rope, just dance. So just move in the morning. Just move in the morning. Okay, number one. Number one. Number two, get into the sauna. Mm. The sauna has, will increase your longevity. It decreases all-cause mortality by 40%. So even if you don't care about being a stud or being ripped or lean or whatever, muscular, there's something about the sauna that prolongs your life. So when I say all-cause mortality, don't cry, man. When I say all-cause mortality... I'm, I'm talking about cancer, arthrosclerosis, you know, neurological degenerative diseases like whatever, Alzheimer's, whatever, um, cancer, diabetes, the sauna helps with all that. So getting your blood flowing, where the blood goes, the healing flows. Ooh, where the blood goes, the healing flows. Say that again. That's right. Where the blood flows, the healing goes. Wow. I never heard that, bro. So, and then the other thing I would recommend is is intermittent, some type of intermittent fasting. Mm. Um, intermittent fasting has become popular as of late because of its effects on body composition and physiology. But there's a whole another dynamic to the psychology and the spiritual aspects of fasting. When you leverage your flesh against things, like you're, you have a body, I'm so sorry, dude. Dude, it's cool. It's perfect because you get to pull your shirt up and show how dude, lean. I'm, I'm you're the lean. Shirt off. You're lean. Yeah. You keep rubbing it in yeah. there. <laughs> you keep rubbing it in, bro. We're not editing any of this. No, We're going to cool. finish the last part of okay. this podcast shirtless. Do it. You ready? Okay. All right. Let's do it. This guy's a savage, bro. Oh my God. Dude, we're doing it. We're getting fucking right. weird. We're Let's doing go. It. We're broing out, man. Yo, Let's, okay. Let's go. Okay, David, sorry for distracting you while you're talking on. about this. Let me put my heart on, bro. I got a heart on. <laughs> <laughs> Taking shirts off. Getting, getting yes, bro. <laughs> okay, talk about talk about real quick, though. Like, yeah. It's so important. Just some, si- some sort of fasting. Yeah. So talk about that. Fasting is crucial, man. Um, my whole life trans like changed. It, my whole life was transformed by fasting. Um, the same, you know, I had a surfer's Bible. 
my ex and I got married with that Bible mm. uh, when I was moving into my second apartment with my second set of kids with nothing, with no pot to piss in, right? Broke up again with the, with the mother of my daughters. I'm sitting there, dude. A book falls down. It falls face up. Every time a book falls open, I always read the page. I yes. always read the page, bro. <laughs> Don't cry, man. So, so I read the page and it was like fasting. It was like... You, this is, it was like some passage, like Jesus was like healing the sick on the Sabbath and some of the apostles were like, mm. were like some unclean spirits can't be removed through prayer and, and laying of hands. Mm. Some can only be removed through fasting. And when I fasted, dude, it changed everything in my life. How long ago was that? This is uh, 2009, 2009. Okay. That's when my whole career, if you want to call it career in fitness, like magazine covers and, and nutrition sponsors and all that stuff, from that point, fasting. Fasting can change your life. People talk about visualization. People talk about all these kind of ways of write down your goals mm. and all these like goal setting things and techniques on how to evoke the greatest potential by just owning it. Yeah. Dude, fasting is the skin in the game. You know, yeah. a pound of flesh is worth an ounce of wisdom. If you really want to change your life, if you're serious about getting something in life, offer up that pound of flesh. You're going to get it because the strength of will, the discipline that's required to cut everything off and only drink coffee and water, like black coffee and water for five days, dude, that's going to set your trajectory on a different path. No longer all, all the peripheral things that bother you, that that get your uh, focus, all these things that you waste your time stressing over, it's all wiped away. So that clarity, that, that mental cognition, you're running on ketones. And, and like you said, those external things that may be distracting you typically, all of a sudden don't become- Gone. Yeah, they're, Gone. you eliminate them. Yeah, and you're in a, you're in a whole nother state mm -hmm. of like the rest of the population are just droning along like, what are we going to eat tonight for dinner? <laughs> Let's Bro, go to the mall. It's Bzzz. the first time in the world, yeah. especially in the U.S., I think, that we're overfed. There's more people that are overfed than underfed, yeah. which you would think on the, out, on the outside, like, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. But I think people are just so uh, so they have this idea that they need food. They always need to be eating. And a big reason for that is because they're eating all this processed garbage that forces them to be hungry yeah. an hour or two hours later. And they're running on glucose and they're craving sugar. And it's like, we're all these little like hamsters yeah. running around like, yo, where can I get my next fix? Right. Yeah. And I see like, you know, they got the Twix over there, the M&Ms, the Starburst, like, you know, we're, I think sugar's eight times more addicting than cocaine. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? Well, yeah. <laughs> of course I do, dude. I love cookies and donuts <laughs> and all that shit. I love it all. It's delicious. The cat's out of the bag in that regard. Yeah. So it's not about, it's kind of like, look, if you've been exposed to trauma, there's no other way to kind of deal with it than to just kind of manage it. Mm -hmm. So how do you, you can't cut, I can't cook, cut cookies out. I can't cut sweets out, yeah. but I do what's called sub, like uh, substitution therapy. Mm. Like the technique psychologists use so to gradually wean people off. Like you can identify with, you know, cauliflower process. Like when you put cauliflower in a food processor, it looks like rice. You yes. put it in a pan, it can, it can look right, like rice. It can feel like rice. Then you season it like rice. It's almost like it's rice but it has no impact on blood glucose. Mm. So now all of a sudden you're using these techniques where you're like, yeah, I want this sweet, 
but I'm going to have it with stevia instead. So there's no impact, no blood yeah. glucose impact. Yeah, dude, we live in a time where abundance has, we suffer from abundance. Yeah. Abundance is what's caused all the problems. Too much abundance. But people still have a scarcity mindset. Yeah, 100%. With, with all the abundance, you know, we were just talking to our boy Noah before this, and it's like, yeah, I want to start a podcast, but there's so many out there. Who's going to listen to mine? Right. It's like, bro, there's an abundance. Like, don't have a scarcity mindset. Right. And, I, and I'm guilty of it too, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I, yeah. think, I think what you're mentioning about abundance... Yeah, yeah, we we suffer from uh, the abundance, whereas the trick is to be disciplined to create a scare like a scarcity, like mm. in that you're hungry mm. for what you want in the presence of abundance. Yeah, what do you truly want? All this abundance isn't really what's going to satisfy you. How do I? How do I? Every day push all that. Oh, but I'm good. Yeah, I did this. I got that. I'm yeah. good. Being I'm content good. with what you yeah, have. Stripping away all the other bullshit. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Bro, um, they're telling me we have to wrap up. No. And and dude, I'm serious about the round two, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, cool. I definitely want to go deeper. Yeah. Because especially the last 20 minutes, yeah, I've been yeah. like trying to get Woo! these tears. <laughs> Hold back the tears, bro. It's flow two. <laughs> flow two's for this you. This flow stuff is really That's powerful. Right. Make we'll you cry. We'll definitely link it up in the show notes. But dude, really quick, rapid fire. What's your favorite emoji? Favorite emoji? The thinking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging, homie. Dude. David. Yeah. Literally, I'm like, yeah. I mm. like this whole situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Shirtless and standing up. That's right. And I'm just like laughing my face off, bro. Yeah, it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Anyways, um, biggest pet peeve. Um, lack of awareness. Ooh. Yeah. Like yeah. in it's other people just not being self-aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the complete disregard for other what's going on. Like <laughs> your inability to connect with the totality of things and know how everything should run smoothly. Yeah. You're that asshole that everybody's waiting for, you know? Like that guy. You're like, don't you know better? You're a grown man. Please. <laughs> what's what's one book recently that has impacted you in a profound way? Mm, um Profound way? That's a tough one, man. Profound way. I, I'm reading Sapiens right now. Okay. Um, that's a good one. But I often reread the um, the I Ching. Okay. Because that, every time I read it, it's different. Hell yeah. So that is probably the most profound book I've ever read. And continue to read. Yeah. Because it just has so many different layers to it. So that would be... The you know, Book of Five Rings by Musashi would be another one. Mm. It's a book on strategy, really how to outwit your ego or your complacency or dude, the enemy or your shadow. Dude, those all sound amazing. Yeah. And I really want to encourage you to fucking like, you, you probably are already scheming this, but like you need to have a book. You need to have all of these amazing obstacles, adversities, and stories in one place for people to access I, th I don't know if it's going to be a on video, a, yeah. a book, but I need to see it manifest because like I'm blown away right now. Um, cool, and dude, I want to acknowledge you because I mean, you're a fucking inspiration. Thanks, First brother. of all, yeah, you bro. Too. Yeah, yeah, bro. Like, I mean, you're, you're so much more than what you see on the outside. Like this man, if you're watching, listening, is a fucking wealth of knowledge and- uh, I mean, just all aspects of health and wellness and, and plant medicines. And you have such an open mind and an open heart. 
right? For all of these things, which I think is so beautiful because I think That's a lot cool. of people use fitness as an escape, right. but, but to hide away from their real shit. Like they're running away from their problems and they think that, you know, a dumbbell or a barbell can solve them. And I think it's really cool that you've kind of worked on mastering all aspects. It's a 360 approach. Mm. And I love that you continue to dive deep and you're a lifelong student. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm excited that we're, we're just getting started. And yeah. I, I, I wanna do a lot of work with you and collaborate and really continue creating impact. So brother, I acknowledge you. And Jeremy, um, thanks so much, bro. Hell yeah, For dude. having me. And I wanna give you an opportunity to share where these people can dive deeper with you, where they mm. can hear more of your storytelling, which is incredible, by the way. Um, where can these people uh, learn more about what you're doing? Mm. You can follow me on IG. If you just, if you just Google get more in, G-E-T-M-O-R-I-N, that's kind of like my mantra because um, it's all about the internal. You know, It's all mm. about being self-aware and understanding your relationship with yourself and how you affect your environment around you. My goal in life is to just uh, leave it a little bit better than when I got here. So if I can do that, if people think about me and smile, then I've, I've made it, you know? <laughs> Bro, you That's made it. me fucking yeah. laugh my yeah. face off. I haven't laughed this hard, like authentically, like for a long fucking yeah, time. Yeah, like yeah. this feels unreal. Yeah. So you're definitely yeah, yeah. living up to your mission. It's your cool, life. right? It's yeah, cool. bro. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. So guys, make sure to hit up Dave. Hit him up, follow him, shoot him messages, and really continue this conversation because, like I said, he's got such a wealth of knowledge, and I, I'm excited to continue soaking some of it up. All of this wisdom, all of these life lessons that he has attracted and almost, uh, yeah, the love, the, the love, the opportunity in this I have my necklace. I wish I was wearing it today. But yeah, bro, I'm super pumped for this. And guys, you already know what time it is. It's time to take some breaths of joy and stand up to sitting.